Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 23. Deuteronomy 23. Uh, now, there are some passages in Deuteronomy and in and, 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 and Leviticus and Numbers too, where it's more of a uh, if this, then that, where, uh, for example, uh, Moses saying to the next generation saying, well, when you come across this scenario, do this, or that scenario, do this, or in this instance, do this, or in that instance, do this. And we see a lot of that in this particular chapter. Now, uh, 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 now some of these instructions have deeper implications in terms of honoring the Lord, the choices that one has to make. And these are things that we're going to look at today. And so we kick off here in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1. says, he who is emasculated. Now, this emasculation, it speaks of male genitalia. Uh, male, uh, 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 certain members, uh, body parts. But when it says this emasculation, it's by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, this is considered hate speech today. Certain, uh, in Western cultures, pastors who are being arrested from teaching the, because they teach the Bible, certain passages which mention, uh, a lot of, uh, things pertaining to sexual conduct, sexuality. Now, I have something to say to everybody. You know, I don't care what, what, whatever type of sin, whatever type of separation from the Lord, whatever that is caused by, be it sex, uh, 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 gender identity, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be the occult, I really don't care. You know, I myself had separation from the Lord. Everybody has separation from the Lord. The only one that bridges that gap is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. No one comes to the Father but through me. Those are his words, not mine. I'm just the messenger. Now, it's very important to understand these things. I don't care if you're listening and you're a believer, praise be to the Lord. If you're listening and you're not a believer, I also say praise be to the Lord because there is something I want to tell you. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are separated from God. It's a result of sin. I was there too. Every every single believer was there at one point in his or her life. The Bible says you are created in the image of God. You were formed in your mother's womb. Literally, physically, biologically, that's what happens. You come out of your mother's womb, you're born. And when you're born, you're born into Adam. You're born into sin. You're born into the carnal nature. Now, born into the carnal nature and born into sin, that is precisely where Satan wants you to be and, and to stay there. Satan wants you not just, he, he, he knows the Bible. He knows, he knows the playing field. He knows the rules. He doesn't want you to know the rules. He knows the rules. And remember, you, me, we are created in the image of God. And Satan hates that. Satan hates that. He'll present himself as an angel of light. He'll present himself as your best friend. But he wants to kill you. He was a murderer from the beginning. The father of lies. Now, if you turn really quick to Luke chapter 8. And in Luke chapter 8, we see this passage which explains to us what happens in a very spiritual sense. 
In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. This is Luke 8, verse 11. Now verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You see, that's what Satan does. Now, I speak to those who are non-believers. If you're a believer, praise be to the Lord. But if you're not a believer, you know, as we said earlier, I also say praise be to the Lord because I'm giving you a message. And this message is to understand what is happening and what has happened. Now, you're born into sin. You're born into Adam. That happens when you come out of your mother's womb. And when you come out of your mother's womb, Satan hates you. He hates your guts. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He's going to hell and he wants to drag you with him. That's what he wants. Why? You're created in God's image. He hates you. He knows that God loves his creation. And so it's an attack on God. And so when you hear the word of God, if you're not a believer in the, in the spiritual realm, this is what is happening right now. Satan. He wants to take the word that you hear, that you receive out of your hearts, lest, out of your heart, lest you should believe and be saved in, in, in the real. And I say the real supernaturally because it really is the real. The world that we see today, this is the facade. The reality is that God loves you. God loves you. He made a way. He sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, you might be wondering, I thought this was just a Bible study. Why are we, you know, right off the bat, we're going to the gospel message. Well, the reason why, well, I mean, you know, multiple reasons, God loves you. But understand, when we look at these things of the law, these passages of the law, understand that in the law is death. And the wages of sin is death. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's the one who made the way. And when you receive the, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that when you receive and you believe in him, there is the repentance that happens. And it's a supernatural. It's called being born again. Just like you came out of your mother's womb as a, you know, a fresh baby boy, a fresh baby girl, you come out of your mother's womb and you're born into Adam. And we, we see in, in, uh, uh, when you have the spiritual birth, believing in Jesus Christ and receiving him as Lord and Savior, now comes the spiritual birth and that's called being born again. Now, you might hear this and you're like, well, wait a second, you know, I'm listening. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm listening. Now, this is by divine appointment. You're not listening by happenstance. You're, you're here by divine appointment. And we see in verse 12 in Luke 8, those by the wayside, it's those by the road are the ones who hear. Just like you're hearing right now. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. And if you're not a believer and you're listening... That's supernaturally, that is, that is what is happening in the spirit realm. Satan doesn't want you to believe this. And I 
have a message for you. Don't let them. Don't let them. What you hear, the very words that you're hearing, that God loves you. He loves all his creation. But it's sin that separates us from him. People say, oh, you Christians, you're so crazy. You, you know, you rely on Jesus Christ for this. You, you know, he's such a crutch. He's not, he's, he's everything. The wages of sin is death. It should be me that is going to go to hell. It should be me that is on that cross paying the, the wages of my sin, which is death. That's why I love Jesus Christ so much. That's why Christians are so in love with Jesus Christ. It's very important for us to understand what is happening in the supernatural realm. Because we get into passages like we're in Deuteronomy. We get into the passages where it's like, oh, this is hate speech. You mentioned something about sex. You mentioned something about drugs. You mentioned something about this and that. Oh, it's hate speech. Do you see in, in, the, in the supernatural realm, in the spiritual realm, what is happening? Oh, this is hate speech. This is hate speech. Why is it hate speech? Why is it hate speech if it's just speech? If it's just speech, why is it so offensive when it's just words? Well, the word became flesh. Could it be that Satan doesn't want people to hear this? And I speak to non-believers. The, the, the believers, absolutely. I mean, the believers, yes, this is absolutely true that the, Satan doesn't want people to hear this. Rather than say, oh, look, this is hate speech. Let's flip the coin. Why is it labeled hate speech? It's because the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well, empowered by Satan. This satanic demonic spirit is blanketing the globe and getting more powerful and more palpable in these last days because Satan roams around like a lion waiting for whom he may devour. And this is the, the trick he plays. Oh, don't listen to these Christians. They're so stupid. Don't listen to this guy. Don't listen to that. Don't you dare pick up your Bible because what Satan wants you to, doesn't want to happen, he doesn't want that, that the word to take root in your heart. He likes the seed to be on the road. What I want to do to you, my non-believing friend, is to pick up that seed and put it on the soil. That's what I desire to do. And that's why we look at these passages. And if that's you, you're not a believer, and you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you hit pause, you listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ, you commit your life to Jesus Christ, you come back and we learn. We study together. We grow together. We move on to perfection together. Understand what is happening in the spirit world. Satan doesn't want that for you. He's going to hell and he wants to drag you with him. Don't let him. Just as it's written here in verse 12, the devil comes and takes away the word out of the heart. Don't let him. Lest they should believe and be saved. That's what Satan, he doesn't want anybody to believe and be saved. You see? And that you say, oh, you know, the Bible says that, you know, I'm not a believer. So that means that I'm on the wayside. Oh, that's hate speech. Oh, I don't like that. That hurts my feelers. Listen, I was there too. 
I was there too. And that seed, the condition of your heart, is it hard as a rock where the seed can't penetrate? Or is it fertile soil? I want it to be fertile soil for you, but I, that's, I can't go there. That's between you and the Lord. And I pray that you do commit your life to Jesus Christ. But that's not, I can't go there. All I can do is share the word of God with you that he loves you. Because so many times, let's go back to Deuteronomy now. So many times we hear words like, you know, in, 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 in verse 1, chapter 20, Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. And then you have like the transgender community, the LGBT community. They, oh, this is hate speech. How dare this shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. But listen, n- number one, this is the law. But then there are passages from the law which also have correlating uh, 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 emphasis in the New Testament. I mean, listen to our study through Romans 1 and you'll understand. Certain things that are an abomination to the Lord in the Old Testament are an abomination to the Lord in the New Testament. You say, you see, that's hate speech. How dare you say that? But my message to you is that understand what is happening in the spirit realm. The spiritual warfare that is happening for for your heart. Satan doesn't want you to believe. And, you know, I say this to non-believers, but it also applies to believers. Satan doesn't want you to believe. And so he'll, you know, throw the wrench in the, in the gears. He'll throw the wrench in there trying to mess things up. And he does it through all kinds of different... Listen to our study through the Corinthian letters and Galatians and Ephesians. He was a murderer from the beginning. The father of lies. And so rather than look at passages like this, like, oh, this is hate speech, this is hate speech. Well, why is it labeled hate speech today? Why? When you understand the the battlefield and the tactics of Satan as written in the Bible, what we just looked at in Luke 8, when you understand those very basic tactics, you say, well, wait a second. If that's what Satan wants, and the world calls it hate speech, now you can see the handiwork of Satan. Evil, demonic, because he he doesn't want you to believe. Me? I want you to believe. I want to call you my brother. I want to call you my sister. I don't care if you're, you know, if you're transgender. I don't care if you're lesbian, if you're homosexual. People always talk, oh, you know, this homosexual sin. Christians. Oh, I hate these homosexuals. I hate these lesbians. But nobody likes to talk about heterosexual sin. Nobody. Very conveniently, they don't like to talk about heterosexual sin. But you listen to our study in Romans 1. You read Romans 1. There's a whole host of things that are an abomination to the Lord. Wickedness before the Lord, including heterosexual sin. Christians, you see, then you have the, you know, certain people, oh, I was born this way, I was born this way, listen, you have adult males who get prison sentences, they're in prison for 20 years, and then they come out homosexual, you have adult females, they get these 20 year prison sentences, and then they come out lesbian, they weren't born that way pre-sentence, and after sentence, all of a sudden, they've changed, why is that? 
The reality of what we see today flies in the face of what the scientists say. Scientists these days are crazy. Look at, you know, oh, we, we follow the science, we follow the science. And then in the course of time, it's, a year, it's revealed that modern day science is crazy town. It's very important to understand this battle, this war for your very soul. God loves you. You're transgender? God loves you. You're lesbian? God loves you. You're homosexual? God loves you. You're into heterosexual sin? God loves you. But you must believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ? Now there's something else that I want to challenge you with. And I'm just echoing the words of the Lord. I'm just the messenger. Go and sin no more. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. Virtually impossible. Actually, it is impossible without the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see? It's very of utmost importance to understand these things for these last days that we're in. God's love is very real. And Satan's grasp on the world is going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. These things are prophesied. And so many times, you know, oh, look, verse 23, verse 1, he emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Oh, that's hate speech. Because today we see this, today we see that. And so therefore the Bible is hate speech. No, it's love speech. The word became flesh. Who would call it hate speech? Except for Satan and those who are in his camp. It's love speech. And God loves you. And so we continue here in verse 2. One of illegitimate birth. This is translates as a bastard. A bastard or a mixed breed. You know, mixed blood. Mixed breed here. One of illegitimate birth shall not enter. Now, it, it, I, I used to have like problems when I, you know, I don't like saying bastard. But, you know, you look at the translations and it's like, whoa, it really translates as bastard. No, I don't mean that as like, you know, in, in a carnal sense of saying, you know, bastard. But it's illegitimate child. And one of illegitimate birth, the, the mixed breed, shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, you must remember, we must remember, this is straight up Old Covenant. Now, there are certain passages of Old Covenant where it's abomination to the Lord. And then there are other passages of New Covenant where it's not that it's no longer an abomination. It's to say that the only safety is to abide in Christ. Outside of Christ, there are certain things that are still abominations. But inside of Christ, there are certain things that are, because of abiding in Christ, there are certain things pertaining to the law that are no longer in play. You see? That doesn't say, well, you know, look, I'm a lesbian. So, you know, now I believe in Jesus Christ and I continue in my lesbianism. No. Oh, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a, a male and I, I have my prostitutes on the side. No, no, don't make excuse for sin. We must understand the covenants. 
And the reason why we look at this is because look at Timothy, for example, beautiful, beautiful Timmy in Paul's bubble, future pastor. And in our study on Sundays, you know, if you listen to our study on Sundays through uh, 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 through the uh, uh, the book of Philippians, and in that timeline, Timmy, little Timmy's going to be one year away from being a pastor. And so all of a sudden, what happens here is you see Timmy, he was mixed breed. His mom was Jewish and his dad is Gentile. So in accordance to the law, it's like, wait a second, how can he enter the assembly of the Lord? But that's the old covenant. You say, wait a second, how come... How come things like sexuality, it's, it, certain things are an abomination to the Lord in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it's, it's permissible, it's okay? No, it's, it's not okay. Things like sexual sin. And if, if you're listening and you are, you know, Christians sometimes, Christians sometimes, I shouldn't say sometimes, oftentimes get on a high horse. Oh, we're Christian, worthy of the elect, and you know, homosexuals predestined for hell, lesbians predestined for hell, and you know, we're of the elect. Now listen, that's false doctrine. That's false doctrine. Listen to our studies about predestination in Romans uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. I've had these long conversations with homosexuals, a homosexual atheist, mad, like, in, in, like, incensed. Oh, you Christians are like this. You Christians are like this. You're so full of hate and all these things. And hey, th- those arguments, uh, talking with the, a homosexual atheist, just to tell him point blank, look, I have, I have no argument. Everything you say is absolutely right. And he's like taken aback. What are you talking about? I've never heard a Christian say that. And then we get into doctrine. I mean, talking about doctrine with a atheist homosexual who was curious. Why is it that these Christians say, like, you know, they're of the elect, and I'm gonna, I'm predestined for hell. Why is it that those Christians say that, and you say you're a Christian, and you don't say that? Because they say that their doctrine is wrong. It's Calvinism. It's Reformed theory, which is just a theory. You see. God is able to graft anybody into his promises. Our study in Romans 11, God is able to graft anybody. But repentance must happen. You see? It doesn't say, okay, you're homosexual, you're lesbian, you're into heterosexual sin. You know, you have the strippers and you, you, can, you, you have the prostitutes and you can still do the prostitutes. No, it doesn't work that way. Because when you're grafted into Christ, when you're abiding in Christ, he's the one who says, go and sin no more. And that is not done in a carnal sense. The Holy Spirit is required. Without the Holy Spirit, that is impossible. Because without the Holy Spirit, who can turn the other cheek? Who can get punched on the left side of the face and turn to the right and say, okay, hit this side now? Who can do that? You see? Who is it that without the Holy Spirit can reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead? Nobody. But with the Holy Spirit, you can reckon the old man dead. You can reckon the old woman dead. You see, the Holy Spirit is the helper. He helps. 
talking with the homosexual atheist and he's like so curious at first very like incensed and it like angry like you crazy christians you dumb christians you foolish christians you guys are like this 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 and the whole time you're right you're right but let me tell you this they're in the doctrinally speaking they're in the wrong speaking according to the faith you're also wrong yes god loves you See, God loves God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when you understand these blueprints of being born into Adam and then being born into Christ and, you know, this aspect, this nature, the blueprints of spiritual warfare, it's a whole new ballgame. Not in accordance to, I'm doing my air quotes here, religion. In accordance to the word of God. Look at little Timmy. His... Mom is Jew, a Jewish, she, and she's Jewish, but then she believes in Jesus Christ. And praise be to the Lord. And then she has a Gentile husband. Now, Tim, little Timmy, he couldn't enter synagogue. Because in accordance to the law, he's considered, you know, dirty blood. He's considered, like what we're looking at here in verse 2, illegitimate, mixed breed. Little Timmy. That's why when he was under Paul's wing, the very first thing that he did is Paul circumcised Timmy. Circumcision for Timmy. And so all of a sudden, circumcision with Timmy. And then so Paul could say, okay, now join me in synagogue. Go with me to synagogue. Because remember, it was the customary practice of Paul to go into the synagogue and reason with the Jews. Now, he Jew, Jew himself, what would happen is that he, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Remember, those are his words, not mine. He reveals, you know, that he himself, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a very respected teacher of the law, even teachers of the, like the, the priests. Very well respected. And according to the law, Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul, but he was one of his teachers, Gamaliel. Very respected teacher in accordance to the law. So little Timmy isn't just hanging around with, you know, uh, uh, Joe Schmo. He's hanging around with, you know, the Pharisee of Pharisees, former Pharisee of Pharisees, who circumcises him. Because had he not been circumcised, he couldn't enter synagogue and see Paul engage in spiritual warfare because what paul would do is go into synagogue and reason with the jews and prove that jesus is the messiah using the old testament using the law that's what paul would do paul loved his countrymen so much the jewish people so much that he says I wish that I would be uh, uh, anathema from Christ, cut off from Christ for the sake of my Jewish brothers. That's how much love he had for the Jewish people. His people. To say, I wish that I could be anathema from Christ so that they can come to Christ. And with that heart, he would enter the synagogue and reason and that Jesus and re reason with the Jews using the law 
proving, not just going in there to reason and, you know, uh, lose, but go into the synagogue and prove from the Old Testament, from the Torah, that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what Paul would do. Straight up spiritual warfare. Going into synagogue with full battle gear, but with also with a fishing pole. You see? And little Timmy had to see that. Why? Because little Timmy is a future pastor. Now, in accordance with the law, he's, he's dirty blood. In accordance with the law, he's illegitimate. Jewish mom, Gentile dad. But that's in accordance to an old covenant. And Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. New covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood. Those are his words, not mine. New covenant in my blood. Paul, he went from old covenant. Now he's in new covenant. Timmy, new covenant. Circumcised, not circumcised. I mean, he's circumcised according to the flesh, but not for the purpose of according to the flesh. Because he's a believer, he's circumcised in Christ. Circumcision of the heart. Remember our study in Romans? Christianity, faith in Jesus Christ. It is the only way a female, female, my sisters in Christ. It is the only way that females can be circumcised because it's not of the flesh. It's of the heart. Little Timmy had that. According to the flesh, they didn't have that. Paul circumcised them according to the flesh. He knew little Timmy's going to be a, a future pastor. It was prophesied on little Timmy's life. And so, okay, little Timmy, come with me to synagogue. You know, you've seen, we wear our, this is the spiritual warfare. You've seen the armament. This is spiritually speaking. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate, the sword, and the shield. Timmy, you don't see it physically on me, but Timmy, can you see it spiritually on me? Little Timmy, can you see it? And yes, you're circumcised according to the flesh. But the reason why, I mean, you're already circumcised according to the spirit because you believe. But now you're circumcised, they're freshly circumcised according to the flesh. Not to hurt you. Because we're going to go into synagogue and you're going to see me fight, little Timmy. We're going to go into synagogue and you're going to see me engage. You see? Not just to engage and, you know, talk about the Bible. But to engage... Yes, discuss the Bible. Yes, discuss Torah. Yes, discuss the, 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 the prophets, uh, the, the, the Psalms. Yes, discuss all these things. But not just that. To prove in the text that Jesus is the Messiah. To prove. Remember? These are, remember our study in Acts? These are things that would happen. That did happen. And they hated Paul. Because he was proving that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember our study in Acts, how we, we make the mention, and not just Acts, but in, in, in Romans and the Corinthian letters and Galatia, how you see Paul himself getting more deadly. Getting more deadly. 
experience under his belt, so to speak. Getting more dangerous. And I don't mean that according to the flesh, like, oh, Paul's getting deadly. Does that mean he went and killed people? No. But he was a warrior. And in the course of time, you see Paul himself getting more deadly, getting more dangerous. Yes, going into a dangerous environment. And in order to go into a dangerous environment, you got to be dangerous. Remember the example we gave in Fallujah? You know, you, 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 you go into Fallujah, 2004 Fallujah. You know how dangerous that is? You take one step out and you're, you're, you're toast. Now, in order to survive, you got to be dangerous. Same thing according to the Spirit. Same exact thing. Especially in these last days. As Satan is amplifying his, 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 his fight. He knows his days are short. He knows his time is short. And so he's beefing up his fight. What is happening to the church at large? The church at large is getting weaker. Not because the Lord is weak. The Lord is strong. Almighty. But it's one of the tricks of Satan. Through doctrine. You see? False doctrine. How he uses the servants of Satan. He uses them. His servants, his vessels who present themselves just as Satan presents himself as an angel of light. He uses these servants who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. Remember our study through 2 Corinthians? And how Paul was afraid of the for, for the Corinthian saints, saying, you guys might well put up with it. Preacher guy comes into town. Oh, yeah, it's okay. You want to worship Buddha? Go for it. No big deal. Paul says, you guys might well put up with it. You see? Same thing in Galatia. Oh, the preacher guy comes to town. Oh, yeah, let's study the Torah and let's do the works of the law. Let's observe the Sabbaths, the feasts, the festivals. Just like Corinth, I'm afraid for you. Lest you might well put up with it. What were the saints in Galatia doing? They were putting up with it. Remember, Paul says, I fear for you lest I have labored for you in vain. You attempt to be, you uh, uh, attempt, uh, 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 you attempt to be uh, 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 justified in the law. Do you not hear the law? Do you not hear the law? So we look at these Old Testament passages. And now we see, how is it that little Timmy can be illegitimate and then all of a sudden legitimate? I mean, when I say illegitimate, I'm speaking of the law. You know, how, how can he be illegitimate according to the law, but then according to the new covenant? How, how can he be legitimate? There's only one who can do that. There is only one. And that is the Messiah. You see? Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. When you hear like Jesus Christ, we say Jesus Christ, but when you hear Christ, Christ isn't his last name. It's like, it's like saying Jesus the Messiah. Jesus. He's the only one. And so as Paul was getting dangerous and little Timmy, you got to come with me to synagogue because you're going to see me fight. You're going to see me fight and you're going to see me win and you're going to see me go fishing. Not that it was a prideful thing, 
But little Timmy, at a young age, would be very well acclimated to the ways of Paul, I say, not to deify Paul, but to exalt Christ in Paul. Remember Paul? I'm crucified with Christ. You see, it's Christ in Paul. Because Paul is about ready to die in our studies in Philippians. Paul is about ready to die six years, I mean, from timeline-wise, the Philippian timeline. Six years from our study in Philippians, he's going to be beheaded. Now you have the next generation, not just of righteousness, but the next generation of teachers and pastors and ministry leaders such as Timothy and Titus. And it's so powerful to see that little Timmy, when, when Paul says, let no one despise your youth, Jewish mom, a Greek dad. I mean, think of the despising he'd get from the Jew, the, the religious leaders. Oh, well, don't listen to him. He's just, he's dirty blood. He's illegitimate. In accordance to the law. That's in accordance to the law. But in accordance to the fulfillment of the law, there's only one who can even fulfill the law. There's only one. It's the Messiah. See? And the Messiah is Christ. Born in Bethlehem. As the prophets. As the prophets prophesied of Bethlehem. There's only one. Now you have legitimacy in little Timmy. You see? Beautiful. And that's how the Lord works. That's how the Lord works. For people say, oh, you know, old legacy. What's my legacy? I got to be old and I got to be rich and I got to pass this on to my, my kids. And that's it's, it's all going to burn anyways. But what about Jesus Christ, the next generation of righteousness? Jesus Christ in you, and then Jesus Christ in your kids. You see? Parents training up their kids the ways they should go to in the fear of the Lord, the love of the Lord, raising them up, training them up. I was like, you know, parents get mad at me sometimes, and if you're a parent, I love you. I don't mean to hurt you in saying this. But parenting is like a glorified babysitting. It's only temporary. You know, kids, 16, 17, 18, get ready to say bye-bye. I mean, not like, you know, bye-bye, I'll never see you again. But get ready. I mean, it's it's almost like, it's, it's like a glorified babysitting. And I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. And a lot of parents don't like that. A lot of parents, oh, you know what? I want to be a mom and I want to be a mom to my 30-year-old. I want to be a mom to my, you know, I want to baby my 30-year-old. I want to baby my 40-year-old. I mean, moms will always be moms. Yeah, I mean, and never stop caring. I mean, that, that you're always caring. But how you care, how a parent cares. Little two-year-old, you know, a little scuff on the knee, okay, you know, Band-Aid and Neosporin, whatever. But as the child grows, as the child, it's almost like your, your, your grip is getting looser and looser and looser as the child grows. Kids are 18. That's, that's, not that that's it, but 
You got to let go. And it's not that you're letting go for good. And it's not to say that you can no longer help. But how a parent helps their kids when, they're, when they leave, when they uh, fly the coop, so to speak. Now you see the intercession of parents. Praying for parents, just like Job. Intercession for his kids. It's beautiful. A, 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 a parent interceding for his adult children, interceding for her adult children. Grandparents interceding for adult children and you know grandchildren, adult grand, maybe even great grandchildren. Intercession. So it's not to say that you stopped caring, but how you care changes as they mature, as they grow. Yes, according to the flesh, but even more so according to the spirit. Also, spiritual warfare. You see? We continue in verse 3. Deuteronomy 23, verse 3. An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Because, remember, God is reactionary. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt. Now, they could have. Do you remember how we we, we looked at this in uh, prior studies? Where when... The Lord made himself known in Egypt. When the Lord made himself known in Egypt, the surrounding peoples, they saw, I mean, they would, you know, before, before that happened, they recognized that Egypt, like, they're it. Like, that, there's nothing higher than Egypt. Pharaoh is God on earth. That's what all this, I mean, that's what the Egyptians believed and that's what all the surrounding peoples believed. That Pharaoh is God on earth. Don't mess with Pharaoh. What he says goes. And so all of a sudden when Pharaoh was humbled by God, Egypt brought to her knees by God, the Almighty. Yes, Egypt had gods, but their gods weren't Almighty. There's only one Almighty. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not just the God of Abraham. Yes, the God of Abraham, but not only the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see? I don't care what the Pope says. The Pope says, oh, through Abraham, you know, all these families of faith through Abraham. And if you're in Abraham, then you are you are in the God's plan of salvation. I don't care what the Pope says. He's just a guy. They call him vicar of Christ. I call him vicar of Antichrist. Removing Jesus Christ from the plan of salvation. You know who does that? Satan and his servants. Satan and his servants remove Jesus Christ from the plan of salvation. The Pope. And the adherence to such doctrines that through Abraham, God includes through Abraham the plan of salvation unto the world. Very recently, the Pope went into, uh, 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 within the last, I think it was like eight months ago, 
the Pope what goes into uh, uh, Iraq and, you know, has, has this Abrahamic conference, you know, all these, you know, inclusion in the Abrahamic, but he, he excludes Jewish representation. Are, are, are the Jews not part of Abraham? Pope? Mr. Pope? You see? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Very important. I don't care what he says, the Pope. He's just a guy. With a white robe. That's it. That's it. But when God made himself known in Egypt, he he, he made himself known. And he's going to do it again in the last days. I mean, he does it through... Christians, just like we say, it just so happens we studied this on Sunday, how the Lord likes to make himself known, how the Lord takes pleasure in making himself known. Remember, there was the exhortation of, you know, I don't want to lord over anybody's faith, but write this down. Highlight this, write this down, because it's very important to understand how the Lord takes pleasure in working like this and making himself known through his vessels, making his strength known, his power known. Through his vessels. That's the saints. Just like we see in little Timmy. Little Timmy. Paul. Peter. Priscilla. Achilla. Lydia. Chloe. The Lord likes to make himself known through his vessels. And he also makes himself known straight up himself. And when that happens. Historically speaking. We look at passages in scripture. When that happens. That's like hellfire damnation. Straight up Sodom and Gomorrah type. Straight up Egypt. You see? And it's going to happen again. The Lord will make himself known. Right now, currently, in the current church age, which is coming to a close, he does it through his vessels. And then he slowly does it in the course of time, amping things up so that people can believe in him. Just like he did in Egypt. He, the Lord reveals his blueprints to us. Just like he did in Egypt. And he's going to do it again. And so when these surrounding towns saw that, okay, there's no one higher than Pharaoh. And then all of a sudden you see Pharaoh humbled. It's like, whoa, there is someone higher than, than Pharaoh. It's the God of Israel. The God of Israel. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then Jacob had his name changed. No longer do I call you Jacob. You are now Israel, governed by God. The God of Israel. So, the peoples, Pharaoh's God on earth. You know, but then, you know, in very short order, Pharaoh's no longer God on earth. Now Pharaoh's humbled. We always thought Pharaoh was all powerful and the Lord made himself known and Pharaoh's not all powerful. He is little, little munchkin, little pipsqueak. He was humbled by the Lord. Now, what happened, not with everybody, but with some peoples, what happened among certain communities is they defected away from their gods. They said, okay, you know, we worship Baal, we worship the Asterisk, all these things, and the Lord made himself known, and, you know, bye-bye Asterisk, bye-bye Baal. I'm in the camp of the Jews. And there's provisions in the law for Gentiles to be grafted in, in accordance to Torah. 
You see? And so now that Pharaoh is revealed to be not all powerful, but yet the God of the Jews is almighty. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who had his name changed to Israel, governed by God. That God, him, Elohim, Jehovah Jireh. And yet the surrounding peoples did not come to the aid of Israel. And that's what we see in verse 4. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt. No, no period. There's a little bit more. And because they hired against you Balaam. You see? They hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia. To curse you. They didn't just ignore you. They didn't just not give you bread and water. They came against you. You see? So look at what happens of these surrounding peoples. I mean, when the Lord made himself known, Pharaoh, formerly believed to be God on earth, formerly believed to be almighty and all-powerful, and now he's little munchkin. The Lord made himself known. God almighty. Not just the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. The surrounding peoples should at least, you know, here's some water, guys. At least here's some bread, you guys. But they didn't just do that. They came against them. You see? And they hired Balaam. Very interesting that we see Balaam being hired. Money. Money. You read New Testament passages about Balaam. Money. You say, wait a second. Remember our study when we, we looked at Balaam? You know, we have this little pause in our study and then we look at Balaam in numbers and then all of a sudden you see like well wait a second how come if Balaam is such a bad guy why is it that he's even talking with God why is it that he talks with God and if Balaam is such a bad guy well it's an old testament example of a short-term believer remember go back to Luke 8 I know we were in Luke 8 earlier but we're going to be in Luke 8 again Just as the Bible says, just as the Lord teaches in Luke 8, verse 13. But the ones are the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. That's exactly what happened to Baal. A short-term believer. Old Testament example of short-term believer. New covenant it is entirely possible for a person to be a short-term believer. What does that say of once saved, always saved? You see, it's a lie. Once saved, always saved is not biblically true. The biblical model is once saved, stay saved. How does that happen? How does a person stay saved? Obedience. Simple. Obedience. Obedience. You say, ah, that's not so, you, you say obedience is simple? Yeah, it is simple. 
Very simple. You need the Holy Spirit. You see? Oh, but I believe so automatically I have the Holy Spirit. Hold the phone there, my friend. Don't forget in the book of Acts, there's a body of believers who believe in Jesus Christ, baptized into Christ, except Paul and John or Peter and John come into town and they perceive that the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. And then they laid hands on them. And the Holy Spirit fell on them. So they believed in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit comes into them, except for one, because his heart was wicked. It is possible to believe in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. And in that group, obedience, it's impossible in the course of time. You take a brand new believer who is believes in Jesus Christ, but they're not taught well. They don't have a good pastor. They don't have a good teacher. A brand new believer in Jesus Christ, they, they love the Lord. They love the fact that they have this, they're born again, and they are born again. But just as is written here in Luke 8, verse 13, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. Now, when there's a pastor and teacher who teach and exhort and equip and train, the tempter comes and the tempter flees. Why? Because said believer has a shield and a sword. Because they're taught well. They're equipped well. A brand new believer Baby in Christ, praise be to the Lord. Five years later, still a baby in Christ? Not good, very dangerous. Because the tempter comes and that milk drinker is not equipped to fight in that spiritual warfare. And in time of temptation, falls away. You see? I say it's simple. And it is very simple. Remember, Jesus is the one who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if you believe in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit, which is entirely possible with scriptural evidence, new covenant scriptural evidence, then you read that, well, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you're in a situation where it's like, well, wait a second, this is burdensome and this ain't light. Does that mean that Jesus is a liar? No way. No way, my friend. I love you, but no way. It's quite possible that what has been revealed is that you believe in Jesus Christ without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's called religion. That's not good. That's a dangerous place to be in. You see? Oh, I got to have the Holy Spirit, so I got to speak in tongues. No, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. You'll understand more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the moving of the Holy Spirit. You see? And when you understand the, this battlefield, it will help you. It will encourage you. And you're equipped and trained. When time of temptation comes, you won't fall away because you're equipped 
with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, equipped with the weapons of warfare, which are not carnal. And you'll be able to stand. You'll be able to fight. You'll be able to endure. And not that there's any glory in the flesh, but the glory is in Christ. It's His work inside of you. His temple. It's His glory inside of every temple that is His. And I speak of Christians. It's His glory, not ours. And so let's go back to Deuteronomy. So Balaam is an Old Testament example of what we just read in Luke 8. A short-term believer where he believed in... I mean, you, 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 you look at the passages in Numbers about Balaam and at the very early part, it's like, wow, this is cool. This is beautiful. You know, Balaam and the Lord, you have the intimacy. And then all of a sudden, hey, Balaam, I got a job offer for you. Hey, Balaam, I know you live over there. But I got this nice job offer for you. Now I'm like a hook in the jaw. Money. Money, 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 money. And like a hook in the jaw. All of a sudden the donkey tries to stop him. And then the donkey speaks. And you think like Balaam would realize at that point. Hearing the donkey, okay, you know, I better make sure that I'm on point with the Lord. I better make sure that I'm right with the Lord. But that doesn't happen. Remember, he's got a hook in the jaw, money. Oh, I'm going to go over here because the money's good. And now all of a sudden, Balaam moves closer and closer and closer to being in a camp that is an enemy of the Lord. And that's where he dies. An enemy of the Lord. Short-term believer. An Old Testament example of once saved, always saved, being a lie. And that's what we see verse verse 3. The Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. You say, well, why is that? Verse 4, because they did not meet with bread and water. Not only that, because they hired Balaam. They were the ones that said, hey, Balaam, come over here. Look at this bag of money we got for you, Balaam. Balaam took the bait. You see? What's so powerful about, look at how the Lord was like, Pleading with him, even so much so that even through a donkey. No, no, no. And yet Balaam made his choice. See? Through the counsel of Balaam, remember? And that's how Israel became defiled. And they hired Balaam in verse 4, the son of Beor from Petor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. So now, remember, the Lord is reactionary. Now, that very deed, it comes at a price. And we continue in verse 5. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God 
turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. I love this so much. Balaam, who once had union with God and it didn't last. But this happens today. People who have union with the Lord and it doesn't last. Have you ever listened to a brother or sister in Christ? And they're they're speaking with you. They're talking with you. And you're like, wow, this is so beautiful. It's beautiful fellowship. Maybe even they provide counsel. And it's like, wow, this is, this is so lovely. Maybe 10 years ago. Maybe five years ago. But in the course of time, something happens. What happened? This guy used to be. We used to have such good fellowship together. Look, I took counsel from him and he gave good counsel. And now he's, you know, crazy town. Now he's with the grave soakers. Now he's with the take the mark of the beast. He'll still be saved. Now he's with the replacement theology people. Look, this lady gave good counsel. and This lady gave good. We had good fellowship and everything was beautiful. And now look, she's crazy. What happened? It's the modern day Balaams. It's the Balaams of today. You see? Yesterday is not today. Yesterday is not today. There's good aspects of that and bad aspects of that. Oh, we have good fellowship and oh, I listen to his counsel and he's so godly and I listen to his counsel and this and that and all these things. Well, yesterday is not today. That person might be, you know, righteous. That person might be give good counsel. But he better stay with the Lord. The same way you and me got to stay with the Lord. Remember, it's not once saved, always saved. It's once saved, stay saved. That person better stay with the Lord and grow and mature. Reckon the old man dead. When you start to see the works of the flesh and the fruit of the flesh, that's a sign that that guy is not dead. That lady's not dead. When you see the works of the flesh, of course, it can be the big ticket items, the sex, drugs, rock and roll. Sex, drugs, alcohol, the occult. But it can be little things too. The works of the flesh. And when you start to see that, it's like a little little red flag in the heart, okay? Maybe I shouldn't take that counsel anymore. Oh, this lady, she gave the best counsel before and she helped and we prayed together and all these things. Then you see the fruit of the flesh in her life. That's a red flag. Okay, I'm not going to listen to her anymore. It's safety. Now, when the Lord says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, it continues to be true that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why? Because you're not falling for the tricks. You see? You're not falling for the traps. You've grown, you've matured, you've learned, you're, you're equipped. You have a shield. 
You have a sword. You have the helmet, the breastplate. And you also got a big fat fishing pole. That's spiritual warfare. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, just as he says, and it stays that way. Because, oh, isn't it? Oh, you're, you, you, you believe in workspace salvation, workspace salvation. No. Yes, Brother James says faith without works is dead. But when he gives further explanation and he points to Abraham and Isaac, and you read the passage in Genesis, where do you see, where do you see his works? You don't see it. What you do see is obedience unto the Lord. Response unto the Lord in obedience. See? It's not once saved, always saved. It's once saved, stay saved. And that happens through obedience. Oh, but that's worth it. It's so hard. It's so hard. How do you resist the temptation? It's so hard. It's next to impossible. It is impossible without the Holy Spirit. You see? Oh, but I'm a Christian, therefore I have the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. I believe in Jesus Christ, therefore I have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit makes people believe in Jesus Christ. He doesn't make robots. Another spirit would attempt to say that, but not the Holy Spirit of Jesus and our Father. Another spirit would absolutely say that and absolutely teach that. But not, not the real Holy Spirit of Christ whose word is above his name because the Bible reveals it's possible for a person to believe in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. I mean, in one, I was going to say these are deep doctrinal matters, but it's not really, I mean, it, it, you, just, you just read, you just read the text, text, context, co-text. You just read the text and it's so simple, just as Paul says, the simplicity that is in Christ. It's man that wants to make it complicated, but it's so simple. See, and so we see this in continuation in verse six, Deuteronomy twenty-four or Deuteronomy twenty-three, verse six. You shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever. I love this so much, verse six, because there are multiple multiple varieties of peace and prosperity from whatever God, lowercase G. From whatever God or whatever effort. And the reason why I say that, lowercase g, I'm not speaking of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was James, changed to Israel. I'm not speaking of him. But people worship all kinds of different gods. People worship all kinds of different gods, lowercase g. And there is a semblance of peace and prosperity which comes from those gods, lowercase g. But there is temporality behind them. In this life and in the life to come. Temporality and not just danger, but even death causing. Can cause death. Because it's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob whose name was changed to Israel. Because just look at the world today. 
Look at people around you. You might be in a struggle to put food in the table. You might be in a struggle to pay for utilities, pay for rent, pay the mortgage. You might be in a struggle. And you look at this guy, you look at this gal, and there's no struggle for them. Like, wow, look. That guy plays poker for a living. And he's making all this money and he he paid his he bought a house and paid for it like it, it's all paid off and didn't get a 30-year mortgage, a 15-year mortgage. He just paid it off in a year. Right there, paid cash. Wow, look, he's he's so much better off than I am. And look, he goes and buys a new car and he just pays for it like no loan or anything like that. He just pays for it, pays for it cash. Maybe I should start playing poker too. You see? Now what does the Lord say here? Don't seek their peace nor their prosperity. All your days forever. Yes, there are people who have a semblance of peace and prosperity, but it is temporal. You see? Somebody plays poker makes $80,000 in one night of playing poker. And it takes you three years to make $80,000. It takes you four or five years to make $80,000. And this guy does it in one night. But yet, you have an honest job, honest wage, no dirty money. You love the Lord, you fear the Lord, you honor the Lord. You're in a better space. You're in a better spot. Why? Because it's to the honor and praise and glory of our Lord. Yeah, a guy makes $100,000 in one night of playing poker. Not to be seduced. Oh, maybe I should start playing poker. Or people who make money by, you know, doing dirty sexual things. Selling themselves. Making a lot of money. Yes, they do have prosperity. But it is not of God. Yes, there is a semblance of peace. They can afford a house that's in a gated community. Yes, there is a semblance of safety. But it is not of God. You see? And that's part of the seduction that's going to grow even wilder in the last days. And people, you know, it is prophesied for inflation to be through the roof. Do not hurt the oil or wine. It is one of the signs of the last days, one of many signs of the last days. People are, the struggle is going to get more real. Right now, low, uh, lower middle class, they're in a fight for their lives. 
Now you're going to have like, you know, mid-grade, middle-class, then upper-middle-class. The struggle is going to get more intense. Oh, how do we make money? How do we make money? I think I'm going go, to go play the slots. I'm going to go to the casino. I'm going to play poker. Look, this guy does it and he's in, he's in good shape. Oh, I'm going to go sell my body. This lady does it and she's in good shape and she, she can buy this car and buy this house. She doesn't worry like I worry. I used to have a good job and now I don't have it anymore. So look, I'm going to go do this now. I'm going to sell them. I'm going to sell my body. I'm going to go make, play poker. I'm going to do this. Dirty online business. It's not of the Lord. You see? It's so beautiful because we see it. It's like, wait a second. And don't forget, in the last days, when the people say peace and security, peace and safety, yes, it's it's they will achieve peace and safety. You know, they're striving for peace and safety. And when the world, it's the prophecy. When the world says peace and safety, exclamation point, like finally we have achieved this. What does the Bible say? Boom, sudden destruction. It's not of the Lord. See? It's not of the Lord. There is no safety outside of Jesus Christ. No safety. The only safety there is is you and me together abiding in Jesus Christ. The real Jesus whose word is above his name. Not the fake Jesus who says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. Not the fake Jesus who says, God is done with Israel. Not the fake Jesus who says, lay on the graves and you'll soak up the Holy Spirit. Not the fake the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, the word of God, everything must fit. The square in the square, the circle in the circle, the triangle in the triangle, everything must fit. That's why you read what, like, what, what Paul says, it aligns with what Joel says. You read what Peter says, it aligns with what Ezekiel says. You read what John says, it aligns with what Daniel says. Why? Same Lord same Lord, everything fits. Square in the square, circle in the circle, triangle in the triangle. Everything fits perfectly. It fits. It's the real Jesus whose word is above his name. You see? And the word became flesh. Don't seek the peace and prosperity of the world. People like to boast these days. Oh, look at my fat paycheck. Oh, look at my bank account. Oh, look at my wallet. Oh, look at my car. Look at those nice wheels. Look at this. Got the honk honk and the vroom vroom. Look at this. Look at the house. Look at the mansion. Look at the palisades. Look at the, you know, nice place in Boca. Are you abiding in Christ? Who's Christ? Who's Jesus? Why are you coming at me with that Jesus business? There's no peace or prosperity there. You think it's prosperity. And in accordance to this world, there is this semblance of peace and prosperity. But in Christ, that's real peace and real prosperity. And when I speak of real prosperity, I'm not speaking of carnal monies. I'm speaking about treasures in heaven. Which... 
have nothing to do with money. It's powerful. A little perspective. We have to keep things in perspective. In verse 7. You shall not abhor or detest an Edomite. Now, the, there are prophetic passages with Edom. Modern day Jordan, where Petra is. You shall not abhor the Edomites. Prophetic events, specifically through Petra, and you you read the minor the minor prophets and certain prophecies of the last days. You follow certain uh, uh, like uh, landscapes, and you see certain valleys and how it leads through areas of the Jordan, areas of the Edomite, and it's beautiful. Everything fits perfectly, and it is written. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor or detest an Egyptian, because you were an alien in his land. Very interesting what we see here. You shall not detest the Egyptian. Well, wait a second, Lord. We were we were just in Egyptian captivity. We were in bondage into our parents. Our, you know, the first generation. They were just in Egyptian bondage Egyptian captivity and now you're saying not to abhor them look what we see in verse 8 the children of the third generation born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord oh my goodness Lord what are you talking about do you not remember do you not see what they did to us Lord do you not see what they did to us they used to do this they used to do that they wanted to kill us and in some cases they did kill us and now you're saying that I should not to abhor them That first generation, to the third generation. So the first generation dies, second generation grows up, they have their kids, and the Lord says, that generation. But Lord, they, that's the lineage of the people who killed us, who had us in bondage, they beat us. Now you see the mercy of the Lord. Not just the mercy, the grace and the love of the Lord in the Torah Deuteronomy last book of the books of Moses of the Pentateuch and you see God's grace mercy and his love and his forgiveness <laughs> that's beautiful it's hardcore very, very difficult to accept. Very, very difficult to accept in the carnal nature. You see? The carnal nature cannot accept these things. Oh, but Lord, they did this. My great-grandfather, my great-great-great-grandfather was murdered at the hand of the Egyptians. And you want me to, here's the great-grandson, and you want me to welcome him? I mean, if, 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 if he denies the things of Egypt and it comes into the camp of Israel, number one, you're saying, Lord, that I shouldn't kill him. You're saying that I should apply these rules of the law to graft him in and not just graft him in, but now 
Allow them to enter the assembly of the Lord. What? Carnally speaking. Carnally speaking, according to the flesh. Impossible. But remember, the law makes a way. The law is like a pathway to Jesus Christ. The law is like baby steps to Jesus Christ. And through the law, a person learns the fear of the Lord. And applying the law, and perhaps solely through the fear of the Lord, because I don't want to get stoned, you don't want to get stoned, so, you know, or, you know, I'm, I'm saying if we were there, not today because we're New Covenant believers, but I'm saying if we were here, we get in a time machine, we go back, it's like, whoa, I don't want to get stoned. I saw this guy get stoned and it was ugly. I saw this lady get stoned and it was ugly. I don't want that for me, so I fear the Lord now. So I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to worship Baal because, you know, I fear the Lord. I love him. I like the, the the being on the receiving end of his blessings, but man, I fear him. You see? Say we're neighbors. We're neighbors. You're in one tent. I'm in another tent. It's like, whoa, I don't want to play games. Remember that guy got stoned last week? I don't want that to happen to me. I now fear the Lord. And remember, it is written, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, 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 beginning of wisdom. And through the fear of the Lord, using the law, look at what happens. All of a sudden, things are not only well in our tents. Things are not only well in our families. But things start to change in our hearts. We learn through fear. Through the law, it opens the door to fear. Which opens the Lord to, you know, we learn to trust in the Lord. It opens the door to trust. And in trusting the Lord, understanding that His ways are better than ours, all of a sudden, we the, the blessings of the Lord become palpable, things that we can see with our eyes. And through that, we learn to love the Lord. It's like, you see, it's a pathway. The law is a pathway to Jesus Christ. It leads to Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. But it requires not just obedience. Eyes to see and ears to hear. People read the law and they're like, oh, this is so hardcore. I hate the law. Don't read the law, but spiritually, it's spiritually discerned as new covenant believers. You see? And when you see people where they've gone through these uh, procedures, sounds too rigid. They've walked this path where they, they apply the law to their lives. And in so doing, they learn to fear the Lord. They learn to trust the Lord. And then they fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. When you see this, these are people where... The formula is beautiful in their lives. These are people like Hannah and Ruth and, and Samuel and beautiful, beautiful the, the prophets, you know, Amos. Remember Amos? I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet, a prophet. And the Lord says, Amos, you're my guy. You're my prophet. These are people who, Jews who believed in Jesus Christ, Messianic Jews. 
applying the law in their lives because they trust the Lord and they have the fear of the Lord. They trust the Lord. They love the Lord. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, he's baptized and then he begins his earthly ministry and he teaches. And through this love, it's like the final doorway. Remember the Lord says, I am the door, capital D, the final doorway. And you enter abiding in Christ. You see? Multiple doors, multiple gates, which lead to Jesus Christ. I'll say this for my rabbi friends. Multiple gates, which lead to the Holy of Holies. The high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so we see this in continuation in verse um, 9. When the army goes out against your enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing or guard yourself from every wicked thing. Don't let them be the influencer. You see? Don't let them be the influencer. Oh, look, we're going to, you know, speaking of in, in new covenant terms, you know, we're going to go to combat. We're going to go to war against these peoples. And wow, look how awesome they are. And I want to be like that now. No, identity is in the Lord. Even today, our identity, your identity, my identity is in Christ. Oh, but I want to look like this guy. Who cares? Our identity is in Christ. Oh, but I want to look like this girl. Who cares? Our identity is in Christ. Oh, I want this guy's bank account. I want this lady's car. I want this. I want that. Forget about it. Our identity is in Christ. They're not the influencer. The word of God is our influencer. We yield to him. It's a military, like a military campaign. Keep yourself from every wicked thing. When the army goes out against your enemies. In verse 9, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. We stand firmly in Jesus Christ, abiding in Christ. In verse 10, if there is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night. Now there's correlating verses which refer to Leviticus 15, which is emission of semen, which we studied in Leviticus. Uncleanness. Then he shall go outside the camp. Remember, outside the camp, outside the camp, outside the camp, because it is unclean. It is like leaven. Just like we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, outside the camp. Leaven is identified, okay, outside the camp, because the remnant must be clean. Same exact, same, same. same. In verse 10, he shall not... He shall go outside the camp. He shall not come inside the camp. Verse 11. But it shall be when evening comes that he shall wash with water. And when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. You see? Now coming back into the... Outside the camp. Unclean. Outside. Clean again. Okay. Come back in. Same thing as new covenant believers. Leaven. Okay. Outside the camp. Clean again? Okay, come back in. How does that cleanliness happen? Repentance. You see? You see, the the blueprints are right before us. It's so simple. 
It's so simple. There is a beautiful simplicity in Christ, what Paul speaks of. You see? The simplicity. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We've referenced it already quite a bit, but let's look at what the passage says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says in verse 3, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Notice the serpent. You know who that was? Satan, who was a murderer from the beginning. A serpent in Genesis, a dragon in Revelation. You see how powerful he's gotten? Little tiny serpent. Still powerful. Little tiny serpent in Genesis. And now all of a sudden, a big dragon in Revelation. He's grown. He's grown stronger. More mighty, not almighty, but more mighty nonetheless. And I fear, he says in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 11, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity. It's so simple. It's so simple. And it's beautiful. It's powerful. And we read the word of God, but pastors, if you're a pastor, you pour in the flock of God, not your flock. It's the flock of the Lord. You pour in like you've never poured in before. Remember, the formula must be right. Teach sound doctrine. Don't go into crazy town. That's what the servants of Satan do. Don't let them be the influencers. We kill wolves. Metaphysically speaking, I'm not not saying, you know, go out and kill them. I'm saying, you know, we wage war against these people. They, you know, we protect the flock. The wolves are the ones that get killed, metaphysically speaking, not literally. You see? And in order to do that, you need the formula's got to be right. Remember the demon with the sons of Siva? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who in the world are you? You see? And they lost the fight. We don't lose fights. We don't lose battles. And I don't say that in a prideful sense. I say that in the most humble sense. Because it's Christ. Pour into your flocks. Pour into the flock of God. Feed them, protect them. Die for them. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 23. And we see this in in verse 12. And you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out and you shall have an implement among your equipment, which translates in the Hebrew as like a, 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 a paddle upon the weapon. It's like a, like a shovel. He says here, and when you sit down outside, it's it's to go to the bathroom. It's like, you know, to, to go to the bathroom in a sit-down sense. It's, you know, you, when you go and, and you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse or your excrement. It's like, you know, bury it, you know. There's people today who say, oh, you know, see, the Lord was interested in, the Lord gave these instructions for sanitary reasons. He wants them to, you know, to, to everything sanitary, no, no germs, no this, no that. It's all for sanitary reasons. But that's carnal. 
That's a carnal explanation. It's not for sanitary reasons. Look at verse 14. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. Whoa! This is like Eden terminology. The Lord, like he walked in in Eden. And he says here in Deuteronomy 14, Deuteronomy 23 verse 14, that the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. That's Eden-like terminology, phraseology. But it is written here, to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy. I don't want to lord over anybody's faith, but if you have a highlighter, highlight that. Your camp shall be holy. That he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. You see? People say, oh, you look, the Lord wants them to have a shovel and to go to the bathroom and to dig a hole and to bury and put it up. It's for sanitary reasons. The Lord wants Israel to be sanitary. That's carnal. It's much deeper than what the human carnal eye can see. It's much deeper. It's sanitary hearts. Not sanitary lands. Sanitary hearts. Clean within. You see? That he may see no unclean thing among you. It's much deeper than the carnal. Carnal. The carnal explanation is, oh, look, he wants sanitary. And that's common. It's growing in popularity in these last days. Oh, the Lord wants them to be sanitary. Look, he gave these rules and, you know, uh, don't eat uh, like this. Don't eat the, the shellfish. Don't eat unclean. They're bottom feeders, you know. They, they, they don't eat like this. And, oh, look, you know, you take the shovel and do this and do that. And look, it's sanitary. The Lord wants them to have a nice encampment that's nice and sanitary. Not to suggest that, you know, not to suggest that, you know, to live in squalor. But it's much deeper than a carnal explanation. Because when you see the depths of this, what the Bible says, what the word of God says, with ears to hear and eyes to see, it's like, wait a second. But the Lord who walks in the midst of the camp and the camp shall be holy. To deliver you and give your enemies for victory. And that he may see no unclean thing among you. And then we read this as new covenant believers. Wow, my camp. How is my camp holy? Number one, obedience to his word. But then number two, it's like, wait a second. So he wants cleanliness in my heart? Absolutely. Cleanliness in your heart. You see? And with cleanliness of heart, Innocence, purity of heart. You read passages as new covenant believers. You read certain passages. What the Lord says to Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, all of a sudden, those things which were unclean according to the law, 
Now they become clean in the law of faith in accordance to the new covenant. Listen to our studies through Romans. The law of faith, the law of Christ. And I don't want to sear anybody's conscience. If, if you're a believer, a Christian, and there's certain things that you abstain from, like eating certain foods, I do not want to sear your conscience. But understand, when you read the law, these aspects of the law, number one, listen to our study through Galatians. All of it. And you'll understand the purpose of the law, which is the additive. But when you read the Old Testament... As new covenant believers with eyes to see and ears to hear, all of a sudden you see the depths of the Lord's desire for you and me to be clean before him, to be holy, to be consecrated before him. And then all of a sudden those things were in, in accordance to the law were deemed unclean. There are things that in the law of faith, in the fulfillment of the law, and that's abiding in Christ, all of a sudden they're clean. Peter even says to the Lord, like far be, I mean, the Lord says, Peter, rise, kill and eat. And he was referring to all these unclean animals. Remember the Peter had that, that vision in his dream? And then all of a sudden, Peter, I mean, Peter's bold. I mean, Paul has boldness, but Peter has another boldness, and I, which I love. He says, Lord, far be it from me. No unclean thing has entered my mouth since I was a kid. And then the Lord says, Peter, what I call holy, don't you call unholy. And Peter realized it was a new covenant. You see? And then he goes into the Gentiles. It's beautiful. And so we see in verse 15, you shall not give back to his master the slave who has escaped from his master to you. Oh, I, so like they go into war, they go into an area and there's a slave of, you know, a certain, you know, master and the slave says, okay, I'm going to defect. I'm no longer a slave of that master. I want to be a slave of you guys. And the Lord says here through Paul, uh, through uh, Moses, you shall not give back to his master, the slave who has escaped from his master to you. He may dwell with you in your midst in the place, which in the place, which he chooses. Do you see how powerful you have a slave? A slave who gets to choose defection. You have a slave who gets to choose the place which he uh, the place which he chooses, where he dwells. That alone, right there, these are two biggies for a slave. I mean, what slave has a choice? You see, within one of your gates, where it seems best to him. You see, if you remember our prior studies in. Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and even Deuteronomy. You see this, what the Bible says about slaves or servants and mockers in these last days. Oh, you see, the Bible says slavery is good. The Bible says slavery like this and slavery like that. And when you read, it's like, well, wait a second. That's, that's, that's not a bad gig. That's not a bad gig. I mean, like the slave gets to choose where he lives. The slave gets to choose in one of these camps and what seems best to it's like wow that's not a that's not like slavery in Babylon. That's not like slavery in Assyria. That's not like slavery in in in, in Moab. 
That's not like slavery in Canaan. This is slavery in the camp of Israel in accordance to the law. Not a bad gig. And I don't say that like to advocate the law in no way, shape, or form am I advocating the law. But you read this and it's like, whoa. And all of a sudden it becomes appealing to be a servant. That's quite nice. The same exact thing happens to you and me when we come to Christ. And I tell you from experience, a slave of Satan 25 plus years ago, me, a slave of Satan, and then all of a sudden, a new master. You see? Not a bad gig. And I don't say that in jest. But let's put this in perspective. I meant, you're a believer. You reflect on, you reflect back to your BC days before Christ. The filth, the muck, the ruin, the yuck, the nast, all of it. And then you look at your life today, abiding in Christ. Not a bad gig. And not to cheapen it by saying not a bad gig because it's our lives. Living fully consecrated to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. To honor Him, to glorify Him. To worship Him. People see that, oh, look, the Bible slavery, the Bible slavery, it's so bad. And all oh, you Christians, you're so crazy. You believe that we should have slaves. You should be you're like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, did you even read the Bible? I am a slave. But it's not a bad gig. It's not bad at all. Why? Because my master says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm a slave to him. And I testify. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So many people say, oh, I, I, yeah, Christianity sounds nice and... You know, but I'm going to live it up a little bit. Another couple years and I'm going to live it up and then I'll clean up my life and then I'll come to Christ. Nope, that's not how it works. Remember, in then through. Jesus cleans his own fish. You come to Christ. And you believe in Jesus Christ. And yielding to him, you allow him to clean up your life. See? Oh, but I thought that you know, uh, another Christian told me, I went to this church and the pastor told me that it's automatic. That I come to Christ, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit makes me a Christian. The Holy Spirit makes me believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm automatically a Christian and, you know, boom, just like that. All of a sudden I'm a clean vessel. Nope. Get a new pastor. He's wrong. His doctrine is crazy town. You and me, we reckon the old man dead in Yielding to Him. And we yield to Christ and yield to His Spirit. And that's how He cleans. You see? That's how He cleans. And so we continue. In verse 16, he may dwell with you in your midst in the place which he chooses within one of your gates where it seems best to him. You shall not oppress him. Wow. I mean, 
Look at look at a slave in Canaan, a slave in Moab, a slave in Assyria, a slave in. It's like wow, he's like, you see the, the 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 marks on his back. You see he's like you know beaten and bruised, and wow, there's slavery there. It's it's no joke. But you look at the camp of Israel, you see slaves. It's like whoa, this is. And not just that, you, you understand the law of jubilee and freedom again. It's like, wow, all of a sudden this guy is free. And look, he's a bondservant, she's a bondservant, and they had the opportunity to be free, but they said, no, they love their master, and so now they're bondservants. It's like, what kind of slavery is this? What kind of servanthood is this? It's of the Lord. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. You see? It's a different camp. It's a camp unlike any other camp you've seen. But the same with the church. It's a camp unlike anything you've ever seen. You say, wait a second, I'm a Christian and I go to church. So what if we go grave soaking? So what if we take the mark of the beast and still we say we still, we're still saved? So what if we do replacement theology? Not, that's not so what? That's a big deal. That's a wrong camp. It might have the sign outside that says Christianity. It might have a cross outside which says Christianity. It might say truth. But in accordance to the Bible, that ain't truth. Which means you're in danger. Which means you better jump ship. And I give this call. Come out of her, my people. In continuation, verse 17. There shall be no ritual harlot. This is a harlot. It's like a, a prostitute. There shall be no ritual harlot, harlot of the daughters of Israel or a perverted one of the sons of Israel. Male, female. It speaks. It translates as prostitute, whore, sodomite, but in service to other gods. These are their sex gods. These other other peoples, other lands, other other belief systems. These worships of other worship of other gods, just like in Corinth. Sex gods, you know, the goddess of sex, goddess of fertility, all these things. And they would have priestesses and even priests where, you know, sexual activity among the male priests, sexual activity among the female priests. And not just, not just, you know, among that priesthood, but like in worship, a person would go and commit these acts and do these acts in service to these gods and goddesses, sex gods. And in the camp of Israel, don't do that. Don't do that. That's, that's the world. That's what happens in, among the Hittites and Hivites and Jebusites. As new covenant believers, that's what happens in Corinth. The world today, right here, right now, that's what happens in whatever city you live in. That's the world. The world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. I speak to a remnant. I'm not called to teach dead people. The Lord did not call me to teach the dead. He called me to teach the living. That is the world. What you see, the sexual activity you see in the world, that is the world. Here in verse 17, it's in, in ritual service unto those gods. Remember what we see in uh, in, 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 in verse um um, 
not not to let these other peoples be the influencer. In, in verse nine, when you when the army goes out against your enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. Because look at, I mean, have you ever traveled in a certain region? And you get there and you're like, wow, this seems nice. This seems nice. This seems nice. And, I, I, you know, you, 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 you go to the beach, you go to the mountains, you go here, you go to the forest, you go here. I'm not trying to say that those are bad things. But there are certain senses that every human has, certain senses like, wow, this place is appealing. This area is appealing. I like this. I like this. I like this. But the same thing applies in the spirit. And that's part of the satanic seduction, not of the flesh. I mean, there, there, there's that too, but it's the tug that is in the spirit world, which opens the door to the carnal, to the flesh. I mean, people say, oh, look, this guy committed this. This guy did the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll and the alcohol and all these things. And yes, those, those are works of the flesh, which aren't good. But prior to that, prior to the works of the hands and the steps of the feet and prior to getting into that mess, what was going on in his mind? What was he thinking about? What was he dwelling about? There was disobedience in his mind because the Bible teaches us to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. The Bible teaches us that whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy to meditate on these things. That's Philippians 4 verse 8. That's what the Bible says. And if there's disobedience in the mind, let's forget the hands, let's forget the feet. Disobedience in the mind. All of a sudden, the mind. What goes on in the mind? All kinds of sex and drugs and alcohol, the desire for XYZ, the desire for one, two, three, the desire for ABC, the desire for X and this and this and Z and, you know, and F and G and all these different things, the desire for this, this, that's all in the mind. Meanwhile, you have a guy who speaks Christianese. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you see the filth in the mind. You see, but nobody talks about that. Pastors don't teach about this. Teachers don't teach about this. But that's the front lines. The mind. That's an aspect of the front lines. The mind. Obedience unto Jesus Christ in what you think about. Dirty thoughts. See, people talk, oh, I remember, oh, back in my glory days. You know, they always reflect back on, on, you know, history as the glory days. In accordance to the word of God and in accordance to our walk with Christ and in accordance to faith, our glory days are not in the past. Our glory days are in the future. But yet people say, oh, yeah, in my glory days, I did this. In my glory days, I did that. No, 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 no. If you're a believer, you believe in Jesus Christ, your glory days, our glory days, it's in the future. It's not in the past. It's in the future. Straight up. And so we understand these things. Okay, let's, so 
It's not to say that, you know, the works of the hands and the steps of the feet in regards to sin and the carnal nature, it's not to say that that's permissible or excusable or even not ugly. Absolutely, it's all of the above. But the mind. Because the after effect of what goes on in the mind is what you see with the eyes. Which is why we guard our hearts. Guard our minds. You see? And you do that. We do that. It also further fulfills what the Lord says. That his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It it starts to become... I don't want to sound pompous in saying this. But it starts to become... Easy. I don't want to say a piece of cake, but there's an easy aspect, a simple aspect to, I've, I've pulled teeth out of my elbows, human teeth out of my elbows. Today, I can't even hurt a butterfly. You see, that's, that's not to boast and say like, oh, wow, it's to, Look at the work of Christ in your life. Old people, be all oh, you old people, you can't go, you can't do this, you can't do this, so therefore the Lord is done with you. No, old people, they can tell you all kinds of different, I mean, in Christ, they, they can tell you all kinds of different things, what the Lord has done in their lives. I love Moses goes, is about to go into return to Egypt, and the Lord says, Moses, go to the old people. Don't go to the young people. Go to the old people. I love that. The very first step. I mean, you know, the Lord does the work in Moses. And then he does the work in Aaron. And then the two come together. And then they go into Egypt. But the very first step into return to Egypt. And the the Lord tells Moses, go to the old people. The very forefront of what the Lord is about to do in rescuing Israel from Egyptian captivity and bondage. Go to the old people. You see, if you're old, if you're one of my old brothers, old sisters, say you're over age 40 (laughs) or 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe hundo, you might be, you know, triple dig. And if that's you, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Look at you can intercede for your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids in prayer and seeking the Lord, being on your face before the Lord on their behalf might take you a while to get there and it might take you a while to get back up. But do you see how beautiful this is? And then in speaking to them, you know, great-granddaughter might not have any idea of what the Lord can do in her life. And you say, baby girl, just sit down. Let me tell you what the Lord has done in my life. All of a sudden, she can see that the, the, the Lord that she reads about in her Bible is the very Lord that has done a mighty work in your life. You see? The next generation of righteousness. It's beautiful. But then something happens when the world becomes the influencer instead of the godly. Instead of the Lord being the influence, instead of the Word being the influence, instead of the godly being the influence, 
the world becomes the influence, and that's not good. That's not good at all. Because when the world is the influence, look at what happens. Like in verse 17, there shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel or a perverted one of the sons of Israel. There's like female and male prostitutes, harlots, whores. Yes, male, female, whores in service to these other gods. And the Lord is saying, no, do not do that. Do not defile yourselves. You see, no defilement. And it happens through the influence of these peoples. All of a sudden, you know, you tie in verse 17 to verse 6. You're like, wait a second, how can that be? Well, and this happens. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of digging deep because we're going to see these things happen. And it, it's going to break your heart. It breaks my heart, and I hope it breaks your heart in a good sense. But you see... Israel, they're in a certain, or the, the, the Lord expands their, their, their borders. They, they, they expands. And then all of a sudden, you see this a lot in the minor prophets. All of a sudden, the Lord uses these minor prophets to say, hey, guys, hey, Israel, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Because all of a sudden, what happens is that people start to realize, wow, look, we're, these other lands, they got, they got, peace they have prosperity look they got the shiny this the shiny that and we don't even have that maybe their gods are better maybe we should also worship their gods and in worshiping their gods Opens up new things. It's like the sin begets sin, begets sin, begets sin. It opens up new things. Oh, now, because they got the shiny, because they got the shiny this and the shiny that, and maybe their gods are more powerful. And so in service to those gods, now we got to do this. Now we got to do that. And hey, son, do this. Hey, daughter, do this. See, it opens the door for all kinds of different things. And the Torah... Deuteronomy, the Lord says, don't do that. You shall have no other gods before me. You go into these areas, people's lands that are not what I am giving you, Israel. It's not of me. Don't seek out their peace. Don't seek out their prosperity. That's not of me. I'm giving you this land, not because you're awesome, but because of their wickedness. Don't let that wickedness be the influencer on you. You see? Because the Lord desires to do something beautiful in the lives of his people. Now, people don't have ears. People don't have eyes. And so the Lord says, okay, listen to Moses. See, listen to Timothy, listen to Paul, listen to Priscilla, listen to Aquila, listen to Lydia. Listen to Chloe. Listen to Phoebe. Remember Paul writes his letter to the saints in Rome? You know, take Phoebe, she's she's with me. Take Phoebe. Listen to her. Listen to what she says. She's calling the shots. 
Oh, but she's female. She can't be a shot caller. Paul says rubbish. She's calling the shots. Now, remember, elder, pastor, always male. Always male. Coverings. Old Testament, New Testament, always male. No female pastors, no female elders. But you have females in ministry, ministry leaders, such as uh, 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 Phoebe. Shot caller. You see, she's with Paul. Male covering. See, she's not a pastor. She's not an elder. But she's a ministry leader. Powerful. The, the word deacon applied to female. You see? And when the world becomes the influencer, that opens the door for all kinds of mess, all kinds of just nasty, disgusting, all kinds of yuck, all kinds of nasty, all kinds of mess. And you look at the church today, what do you see? Bingo. And yet the word of God says no. That shouldn't be the case. Remember when we uh, we started our studies in these law books? A lot of animals. Why? A lot of blood. A lot of sin. All throughout the Bible. A lot of sin. A lot of trespass. Today, a lot of sin. A lot of trespass. Not the blood of animals. The blood of Christ. Verse 18 you shall not bring the wages of a harlot or the price, which translates as the wages of a dog, which is a male prostitute, to the house of the Lord your God with any vowed offering, for both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. You see? Male, female whore with dirty money. See? Dirty money. An exhortation, a very strong exhortation, urging. It might sound dirty, but don't sell your body. I know that's kind of like left field. But to have these conversations with the younger generation, nobody wants to work anymore. I don't get it. It's like the fluoride. You know, it must be the fluoride in the water, but nobody likes to work anymore. You get the the, 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 the government ch- checks just start coming in. Nobody wants to work anymore. And when they want more money, what do we do? What do we do? We're just going to do what it is, do these things online and sell our body over here. Or we're not doing anything. We're just, it's just the pictures. It's just the videos. We're not doing anything. There's no, no, uh, touching, no, this and that. It's just this. No, that's a big deal. Because your body is a temple of the Lord. Don't do the dirty business. That's filthy lucre. It's dirty money. Yeah, you can have prosperity. I'm not going to deny You can have that prosperity. But when it's not of the Lord, that prosperity will kill. It will hurt you. It will damage you. Don't do it. Don't sell your body. It's filthy. It's dirty money. Your temple, your temple. When you believe in Jesus Christ, your body is a temple. That temple must be holy. You see? And it's, it really is easy for the temple to be holy. It really is easy. Super easy. 
it's almost, I don't want to say it's automatic, but it almost is. When sound doctrine is applied and you yield to the Lord, you yield to the word and you yield to the Holy Spirit. When that happens, it's virtually automatic. It's the Lord that does the work inside of you. But when the doctrine's crazy town, don't expect a clean temple. You see? When the doctrine is dirty, when the hands are dirty, when the feet are dirty, don't expect cleanliness. And uncleanness is outside. We want you nice and inside where it is safe. And I'm speaking of inside of Christ. You see? I know there's the desire for money. Talk to these young kids, you know, teenagers going out into the world. Like, wow, you know what? I I want to make a lot of money, but I don't want to work. <laughs> I don't know. It's the fluoride. It's got to be the fluoride. I don't know what it is. I know it's, it's it, the carnal nature. It's sin. I want to make a lot of money, but I don't want to work. It's crazy town. You gotta work. When you work, you work as unto the Lord. Brother Paul, he even says, you don't work, you don't eat. You see? Now in these last days, the government is getting huge as prophesied. And the beast is growing teeth as prophesied. Don't look for easy money. Easy money is dangerous. Easy money is dangerous. You work as unto the Lord. And he will give you peace. He will give you prosperity. But it's not in accordance to the flesh. It's different. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. You might not have the the mansion and the palisades. But his covering is the most beautiful there is. You see? And so we see this in verse 19. You shall not charge interest to your brother, interest on money or food or anything that is lent out as at anything that is lent out at interest. Today people like this. Carnal people today non-believe this. Oh, you see, we should we should have this, you know, this charge for non-interest, or look that. In, in the Bible, it says that there's this, you know, the Shemitah. The Shemitah, we just studied that several weeks ago. We should have, the Bible says there should be a Shemitah, the forgiveness of debt. Carnal people say that. They don't know what they're asking for. It's a carnal approach. Because, yeah, it sounds good. But those who live by the law also die by the law. You want to bring back stoning too? You want to bring back the Shemitah? You want to have the Shemitah? Okay. Okay, let's bring back the Shemitah. So we bring back the Shemitah. Let me pick up these stones. Well, what are you picking up those stones for? Why are you picking up those stones? Well, there was this act of adultery. There was this worship of the Baal. And so now we got to kill you. Now we got to throw these stones at you. You wanted the Shemitah. I thought you said you wanted the Shemitah. There's, there's, there's more tied to that. You like no interest? Okay. You like the stones? You like the Shemitah? Debt forgiveness? Okay. You like the stones too? You might not, you might not live to enjoy the Shemitah. You see? 
Be careful what you ask for. Verse 20. To a foreigner, <laughs> to, a, to a foreigner, to a foreigner, you may charge interest. <laughs> That's outside the camp. <laughs> to a foreigner, it's okay. To a foreigner, you may charge interest. But to your brother, you shall not charge interest that the Lord your God may bless you in all to which you set your hand in the land which you are entering to to possess. You see, the Lord desires to bless. And it's not just like a, like a blanket, okay? You know, like uh, these things will magically appear. Now, I'm going to repent for saying that because I don't like saying magic, but I say magic to explain the hand of God. His blessings, which is not magic. But in verse 20, the things which you set your hand. The Lord your God may bless you in all to which you set your hand, which means you got to use your hands. Work. It's not just like, you know, boom, it's just like there. No, you, gotta, you set your hands to these things. Verse 21, in closing, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it will be a sin to you. Remember, the Lord takes vows very serious. Our study in Leviticus 22, remember, he takes vows very serious. Mankind, we don't. The Lord, he does. You and me, we yield to him, which means we take our vows seriously. Men, 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 wedding vows. Women, 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 wedding vows. See? But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be a sin to you. You know, it's so simple. You do the vows, take it seriously. You don't do the vows, look, it's not a sin to you. But if you vow and then you don't take the vows seriously, it becomes a sin. Because you're playing games with the Lord. The Lord doesn't like it. Don't take advantage of his grace. Don't take advantage of his mercy. Just like we read about in Romans, New Covenant. You see, don't take advantage of God's grace. In verse 23, that which has gone from your lips shall you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily vow to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. When you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes at your pleasure, but you shall not put you shall not put any in your container. You see? So you know you're you're walking along the way, you get the munchies, and you know it's okay, eat some grapes. But, you know, don't get your big vats, you know, and get your big suitcases and store your grapes and you're going to use his vineyard. No, that's his vineyard. That's the work of his hands unto the Lord, his service unto the Lord, his work unto the Lord. And the Lord blesses him. You know, don't be don't be like, you know, uh, 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 to, 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 to try and, you know, have gains. That's the dishonest gains. But you can eat, you know, you get the munchies. Go ahead, take some grapes. Take some grapes. But don't get your vats. Don't bring your vats. Don't bring your caravan of vats and start working his field. That's another's field. You see? When you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. Same concept. It belongs to another. There's still provisions in the law that, yeah, you want, you need some grain? Here's some grain. You want some grapes? Go ahead, have some grapes. Don't bring your caravans. It's not your field. You see? And just like we studied last week, 
the Lord addresses the stingy hearts. There's provisions for those in need. And at the same time, it addresses the stingy hearts. Powerful. This is in the law. This is it's so beautiful because it's you see that how the Lord, through the harshness of the law, is guiding Israel to the seed. You see? To the door. It's beautiful. So beautiful. The religious leaders. I could understand asking Jesus Christ. I can understand asking him some questions. Not like an interrogation. But I meant like just asking him some questions. Like, okay, what did you mean when you said this? I mean, as, as, as a Pharisee, you know, I mean, not as a Pharisee, but I mean, like if, if we were to go back in time and we were Pharisees, I could completely understand asking him. Like, because we have a people to protect. I could understand asking him questions. You said this. Can you tell me what you meant? And, you know, we kind of have in our heads like, okay, I think this is what he meant, but I just want to make sure that he's citing Isaiah. And then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ starts to speak and says, okay, the prophet Isaiah said this. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's what we thought. We were just making sure. And you know, one more question. Is it? Ask, like, not like a million questions. And then all of a sudden, to bow down and worship him because the Messiah has arrived. The seed is here. But the religious leaders, the ones who were supposedly in the know, I'm doing my air quotes, they were supposedly in the know. They didn't know. They were blind. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, of the blind, do not follow them. Of the blind today, do not follow them. But those with eyes and those with ears, look for that among the pastors. Look for that among the teachers. And when you find that, there is safety for your soul. And it's so beautiful. And that's how the Lord teaches and pours into you, pours into us. A remnant of these last days, equipping and training so that we can engage and fight, have the helmet and breastplate and shield and sword, but also our fishing poles. You see? We're going to end our study here, Lord willing, pick up in the next chapter next week to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.